This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Fenners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. Hi, I'm Joe Marler. And I'm Tom Fordyce. Some people do amazing things. On this show, we meet astronauts, stunt women, prison guards. And some people who do other things like, I don't know, recruitment. Yeah, we'll talk to anyone. See, I used to hate people, but this show's changed me a bit. It's taught me stuff. It makes us laugh. And now I can't get enough of people and the things that they do. I'm just like a fat geezer that eats chips by in the morning and sells things on the market still. The guy with the toilet brush took up his bum gave oh. a fantastic story. I have been caught tip-exing a customer's car. Are you a robot, Lydia? Well, how would you know? I mean... Oh, my God. <laughs> Kestrels used to be called windfuckers. <laughs> when you have to explain to a grown adult that drink is, in fact, a liquid and they don't <laughs> believe you. And we will not stop until we've met everybody. Including... You. Yes, you, dear listener. On the show today... Hi, my name's Gav and I'm an ecologist. There's only three newts in the whole of this country. (laughs) I didn't claim that birds would melt. My number one favourite shit is an otter shit. Why does a wombat do a square poo? Don't know. I've got no bats. Well, you probably have. (laughs) You've never seen bats. You're clearly Tom's friend more than mine. (laughs) It's early days. I've always wondered who was in charge of counting all the animals. Yeah, and how many species of bat there are. All right, let's find out. Welcome to The Joe Marler Show. Hello, Gav. How are you? Very well, thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, great. Thanks for coming. Apparently, you're a listener. Yeah, very much so. Oh, like a proper listener? Yeah. Not not a casual one? I'm not a patron yet, but uh, when I spoke to Ryan, I checked my podcast, and it assures me that last year I I did a big catch-up. I did three days and one hour of my life was spent listening to the podcast. (laughs) It's about a bit much, I think, perhaps. Of our, of our podcast? Yeah, so apart from Joe's from this morning, I'm all caught up. That is superb work. I'm in. We've done three days' worth of podcasts. Yeah. Fuck. Three years now, Joe. We've been going that long. And still, astonishingly, Gav, uh, when Joe and I spoke before recording today's episode, he asked me... <laughs> he asked this me... bollocks from you. I know what you're going to do. You're going to... Yeah, go on. Just going to deliver some truth. Do you want to say it? No. There's been some confusion, Gav, between something that an ecologist does and something that an economist does. So some of Joe's questions may be about inflation, quantitative easing. I'll do my best. I mean, it's 
usually people here oncologists are disappointed that I don't save lives from cancer. I count newts and bats. So roll with economists. So that's it. My opening question is, what is an ecologist? What do you do? Uh, most of my time is spent dealing with plants and animals and species. The sort of three rough groups of ecologists. So you think about people that do research. They so do stuff for the interest and the research and the joy of finding new stuff. Do tests and experiments. Then there's guys who do conservation ecology. And they spend lots of time maybe working for wildlife trusts or other societies. Managing areas you know, sort of generally make the environment a better and richer place. And then the third group is consultants. Most of us, or in my part of the sector, I work for a company called Baker Consultants, and we're like a private business. And if people want to build a house or a Lidl or a motorway or an airport... Three, in fact, four quite contrasting... Yeah. A house, a Lidl, a motorway... Or an airport? Yeah, anything... They come to you? Well, not necessarily to me, but to an ecologist, yeah, for sure. So if you want to dig a hole, dig the ground, plough something up, build something, concrete something, then usually you'd be asked to do an ecology survey, find out whether the plants are there, whether there's any protected species there, anything that needs moving, anything that's important, interesting. And then we help people get planning permission, move the stuff out of the way, build them some new homes, and then they get planning permission and build the house or a new little or... Whatever it might be. Kev, can I please ask you your age? You don't have to uh, tell so me the 43. truth. I'm 43. You're 43, so you're 10 years older than me and 10 years younger than Tom. <laughs> a bit harsh, but anyway. Yeah. When I was at school, there was this geography lesson. In fact, there was this subject called geography. <laughs> <laughs> that wrong. And on a field trip to the Seven Sisters once, they, we were like different tasks we had to do. We got to draw the white cliffs and all that lot. But there was also this bit where they gave us a metal square. Quadrat. You, a what? Quadrat. Yes, a quadrat. Yeah. Where, I'm so glad this is fucking... Not economy. It's yeah, good. not economy. This is right. And you lob it on a bit of the land that, that you're there at the Seven Sisters. Yeah. And then the in your group of twos and threes, you study that little area of what you can see, whether it's a ladybird or a worm, or how much of it is taken up by grass or mud or a turd or yeah. whatever's in there, and you just write that down, and then you go, right, that's what's in that square. Yeah. Is that anything to do with ecology? Yeah, bang on. So we've got, gu- we've got guys who still do quadrat surveys for plants mostly. We don't use it a lot for animals. But yeah, there's a whole series of books where you throw a quadrat somewhere in the country, you count how many species you've got, you look on the list, decide how much of each one you've got, and it goes, right, it is this sort of grass or this sort of heathland. Really important question, I thought. Well, you've answered it well, thank you. You look Thanks. so pleased with <laughs> The best opening to a show you've ever had. <laughs> Should we quit where we're ahead? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I might pick you up on is you said, you know, how much grass you find or mud. No, no, we can't, we... Oh, no, yeah, yeah. no, no, whether it was bare We'll record or... how much bare ground, how much shingle, how much soil. I beg so, yeah, pardon, all those things. You can beg all you want, you're not fucking getting it. <laughs> <laughs> what have you counted, Gav? What's, what strange and wonderful things have you found yourself counting? So there's a bit of a theme. If you were to ask any of my friends, any of my friends' family, anybody that's ever met or heard of me, what's Gav do for a living? One answer. He counts newts. I mean, newts? I, newts. Like from Matilda? Yeah. So like I've been doing... Are they in this country? Yeah, we've got three types. There's only three newts in the whole of this country? No, three types. There's loads of individual newts with oh, three right. different species. Fucking hell, I was going to say, mate. That's I'm mega It's a hard job, isn't it? Yeah. So, You'd have loads of quadrants all over the place. That's it. Well, also, if there's only three, he wouldn't need to count them very often, would he? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years. Um, so, it is true, rightly or wrongly, that for the first four or five years of my career was spent counting newts. How would you count them? So, we're talking quadrants once again, are we? Would they not jump out of the quadrant? No, we, we go up a step on the, the equipment to a torch Ooh. and a pen and paper. If you want to build something, you identify all the ponds in a certain radius around where you're building, and then you do a nighttime survey of those ponds, and you do different techniques. So you might go looking at the stones, trying to find them hanging out. Um, but newts only go in the water in the spring, so sort of late February to maybe end of July to breed. And the rest of the year, they're on dry land. A pond will probably only have a newt's nip from sort of late February if it's warm enough, through to July or August till the new newts grow enough to be able to crawl away. What's so important about newts? Why do you need to be counting newts? Hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't have you calling them newts. What am I saying? Newts. What are you saying? Newts. Newts. What am I saying? Newts. <laughs> I'm with you. Sorry. I, I say words. He went, he went... He didn't even pick up on it. Gav's saying the same thing as me, you tit. This is your favourite episode, isn't it? Newts. What are you saying? Newts. And what are you saying, Gav? Newts. But, I mean, Tom's right, but I don't... Why is Tom right? (laughs) Why are you right? Why is Tom right? Newts. What am I saying? (laughs) We've been through this already. You're saying it like it's spelled N-O-O-T. Newts. Yes! So think about old and new. Newts. New. Right, okay. But if I was going to say... Um, church pew. Yeah, you'd say church pew. Okay, do that with newts. Pewts. Yeah, now put an N in front. <laughs> put an N rather than a P. New pewts. <laughs> N-pewts. Pewts. Newts. Bingo. Newts. Lovely. Way more effort than it needs to be. Okay. Just say newts. <laughs> Gav. Three newts. I Three speakers. I think, I think me and Should you. Me and you. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to build something or do something to the pond. So you go out and you'd do a couple of things. Look under rocks and try and find them. And then you would um, set bottle traps, which are like Coke bottles. The end turned inside out like a little funnel. You stick it in the pond. And then the newts swim around looking for lady friends and boyfriends. Think, oh, that's quite nice. Swim in. Can't get out. And then in the morning, you go back, pull them out, count the newts. And then in between time, after you've been to the pub for your dinner, you come back when it's dark with a big torch, and then you walk around the pond, shine the light in the pond, trying to see and count the newts. So you're trying to go, right, there's new. And, you know, my mate Tom's right, it is just counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. If you look, you go, that's a male, that's a female. But ultimately, from back when I did it, back in sort of early 2000s, you really wanted to find out, did you have up to 10? 10 to 100 or over 100 newts. That changes how much effort and money you have to spend to move them out of the way to build your house a little. Well, I still don't get it. So, What's the big deal about newts? Newts. What's the big deal about those things that you count? Uh, so they're protected under the UK law from disturbance and displacement and harm and killing. So you need to have a special licence to be able to do the surveys, to handle them and to move them. So that's why developers ring a consultant ecologist or a wildlife trust if they provide the service and you would go and count the newts, and then when it comes to it, help them move them out of the way, build them a new home. Why are they protected? Some of it comes from um, the Wildlife and Countryside Act, which is a UK piece of legislation, but then as part of our time in Europe, there's the Habitats Directive, which drew up a long list of plants and animals and fungi that are really rare across Europe, and we happen to have loads of great crested newts, like loads and loads. So we spend loads of time and effort on newts and um, bats and otters, and the Spanish spend loads of time and effort on ibex and other stuff that we don't have. So, What's ibex? Like a mountain goat. Do they potentially get a better deal in Spain? It's probably a lot more fun climbing sort of in the hills up there rather than trudging around, you know, a car park in Cheshire. Yeah, <laughs> how big do you, like, how big the coke bottle they need, though, to track oh. their, their goat? Yeah, massive. Also, yeah. Like, whereas you... And they don't do a lot of swimming, to be fair. Oh, 
Shame. Yeah, I've seen a swimming goat, have you? Anything with four legs. Have you ever swim. seen a goat before? <laughs> yes, I have seen a goat before. Where? In fields. Where have you seen it? In, in a tame field. Right. So it's trapped. Okay. So, so if it not... could get out, it would swim. Correct. Yeah. Have you seen those goats that climb up the side of the mountains? Yes. Yeah. Do you think they can swim? I don't know. No, they can't. That's why they're on the side of the mountain. <laughs> so I don't know where the point is that you're trying to make. I'm trying to mock me just because I say noob. Bats, Gav. I know someone who bought a house and there was lots of bats in there and they yeah. had no idea the nightmare the bats in the house were about to cause them. Real life bats. Real life, Real bats. life bats. We've got bats in this country. That is fucking bat shit. <laughs> You've never seen bats? Yeah, on TV. I bet there's bats in Heathfield. Real life like Dracula bats. Yeah. We don't have any blood-sucking bats, but there's about 18 species in the UK, and 17 of them breed here, so... Did you know that? I didn't know about the 17, 18, but have you never seen bats? No. Right, Gav, if Joe wants to see a bat, what time of day, what sort of location does Joe need? They're pretty much everywhere, as long as you're not at the top of a mountain with the goats. So if you were out in your garden in Heyfield... I've got no bats. Well, you probably have. Or they're at least flying over your garden. So maybe oh, I've, I thought they were maybe I squeaky seen. birds. I just thought they were birds at night time. Yeah, you go. Oh, look, there's a bird. Do you not think they look a bit different to birds, or a bit squeaky, a bit smelly? Are they smelly? I mean, they yeah, there's you know a bit smelly. But if you've got loads in one place, there's guano everywhere. I just think of a bat as like a, an exotic animal, is it? And it's not. No, it's pretty. There's loads. It's just quite common. Yeah. So like a lot of the work that a consultant ecologists do is nighttime work. So it's nighttime service for bats and it's nighttime service for newts. So there's lots of late nights. Why is there such a big deal about bats and newts? Surely they'll just know if you want to build a house there, they'll just move. Can't the bats just go off to a different cave? Do they S live in caves? Some live in caves, yeah. Not not a lot of cave dwelling bats, but places like Cheddar Gorge and some sea caves have got bats in it. But mostly houses and buildings, some trees. They and live in houses? In the roofs of the houses, yeah. <gasps> like under the tiles, between I've got a roof. the loft. Bet you've got some bats. Okay, right, I'm going to look out for these. Any time maybe between May and August is a good time. They come out, you know, about half an hour after sunset. So if you're out within an hour of dark, stand in your garden, look up, then anything that you think might be a bird flying around is almost certainly a bat, unless it's an owl. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Or any other nocturnal bird. Yeah. Like Are there any other nocturnal birds? Uh, night jars. Crows. They tend to bugger off at sunset. Every bird is nocturnal, you know that. What? Every bird can come out at night. It's not like a, a vampire. If you if they come out in the sun, they melt. <laughs> I didn't claim that birds would melt. No, but you're saying that, oh, any other nocturnal bird. There isn't, there's no such thing as a nocturnal bird. I love the certainty in your voice. You've gone from thinking an ecologist dealt with inflation to absolutely laying down the law. <laughs> <laughs> About the fact there are no nocturnal birds. There's not. I oh, know there's loads. Is that your point? There's loads of nocturnal birds. No, it's in, there isn't a, there's not a nocturnal bird. <laughs> Like there's a there's just birds. Why are you looking at me? Look at Gav. <laughs> Gav. Yeah. There's not a nocturnal bird. Like you can't just say, oh, that's a nocturnal bird, because the bird can come out whenever it wants. That, that is true. The bird can come out anytime. Because there's always a choice. And they choose to come out at night, which means we call them nocturnal birds. I was hoping for a bit more support from Sorry, you. Sorry, mate. I've no. misread the room. It, you're clearly Tom's friend more than mine, and I get that, and I'm going to be fighting up river. It's early days. Okay. But there are nocturnal birds, uh, mostly owls, are what you'd see out at night. So if Joe were to be shocked, Gav, and let's say in an outbuilding on the Myler Estate, he found some bats, but he wanted to turn that outbuilding into a gym, is he allowed to if bats are present? Potentially, yeah. 
So if you know you've got bats, you do a survey, try and find out what species you've got and how many you've got, whether they're using it just in the summer to hang out at night or just in the daytime when they're asleep, like if they're the hibernating or if it's a maternity roost. Because bats use different things at different times of year for different purposes. So if you if it was like a big empty barn that had a roof on legs and you thought, oh, I'll put some sides on that and make a gym of it, it's probably might only be used as like a summer feeding roost where they hang around to eat the moths and butterflies, whatever they catch, and insects. So that'd be quite straightforward to deal with. If it was a brick building with like a roof and walls and they're sneaking under the tiles and they're having like baby bats in there, then that'd take a lot of effort. You know, bat mitigation can be quite expensive to do by the time you've done loads of surveys, got a license, built a new home for them, moved them done some monitoring so yeah it's um quite expensive whereas developers are used to it because it's part of all the millions of things they do when they want to build a i'm glad you brought thing. that up tom because my gym is riddled with shit is it there's shit everywhere i've been i've been away i've left it away for five months shit as in just general no shit no 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 excrement. shit the shit outdoor garage turned into a gym with like there's holes everywhere that things can get in I've found loads of birds' nests before. We've we've nurtured loads of nests. And when I say nurtured, I mean just watched it. Left alone. Left alone, not touched it, because that's when the, the mum come doesn't come back cause you've, and then they die. And we didn't do that. And they all survived. They all, all flew away. Daytime or nighttime? It was during the day. <laughs> but they were also up at night. Oh. So obviously they were being fed. But there's shit everywhere, and I presume it's birds. It's like white with a little bit of thickness in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> but now that you're starting to talk about bats and newts, I'm not. I'm going to rule out newts. Okay. Because I ain't got a pond. In fact, I haven't got any water unless they go in the hot tub. Can um, you get newts in a hot tub? Not if it's on. Not or not for long. Oh, okay. But now I want to rule out bats in my gym. Okay. What's a bat shit look like? Bat shits look. I mean, this probably isn't a very helpful description, but they look quite varied in terms of size and shape. And some like have little tails on them, some are rounded. They look a bit like a mouse shit, but then if you don't know what a mouse shit looks like, that's not a lot of help, is it? If you do a, an elongated comma on your page, oh, made yeah. it a bit chunky, it looks a bit yeah. like that. Um, but there's some cool technology that they've developed in the last few years. Most bat surveys traditionally would be standing out with a bat detector or some thermal imaging cameras and waiting for them to come out of the buildings or go back to the building, see what they're, what they're doing, count them. And we use plug-in things to our phones or handheld detectors and it converts their ultrasonic sound into sound you can hear. And then you can tell what species it is. <gasps> So we can do that. And we can also use something called eDNA. It sounds like environmental DNA. So anything that's been on or near or has come from an animal leaves some DNA behind, like criminals do. And we can now take samples of shit and take it around to a lab and they can analyse it and tell you what did the shit. Now we're talking. So we can well, use Well, they can't for... tell you what crime they've done. No, it's not great at crime solving, but it narrows down your, you know, your suspects. Did you ever see Joe? I think it was on one of the planet Earths, and they went... This to... planet, you mean? Yeah, no, I mean on the TV show Planet Earth. Right, yeah. Yeah, sorry. And there was a cave, help me out here, Gav. There was a cave, and it was full of bats, and they did so many shits in this cave that there was this vast, like, almost escalator of bat shit, and the whole thing was covered with cockroaches, and it was the most disgusting thing I have ever seen with my eyes. That's on Planet Earth? Yeah, like in sort of... Um, South America, Central America, there's some massive bat caves like you would imagine a bat cave to be, and it's just piled up high. It's, you know, you walk in with respirators because it's, I've not been, but 
as Tom says, she it's it's awful. And the whole thing crawling with cockroaches. There's not only a massive pile of shit, it's got shit-eating cockroaches dwelling <laughs> upon it. What's your issue with co- shit-eating cockroaches? Why are we protecting newts and bats, but not cockroaches? Like, if there was a, a cockroach a house... <laughs> Near the extension that I want. Uh, are you bothered about that? Would you, as an ecologist, would Personally, you be bothered about no. them? Like cockroaches, not so much. Pest species, but there are loads of insects that do get looked after a bit more. But cockroaches, not so much. Who gets to determine we need to look after them and we don't need to look after them? Surely we should just look after all of them or none of them. Agreed. Oh. In preference, look after all of them. But then oh. there, are, there are key species that are more important than others, but they're all connected. I was hoping for a bit more friction on that. Sorry. I thought I felt really empowered to protect and support the cockroaches and fight the good fight for them. And then you just disarmed me with you know, well, greed. Okay, to trade that off then, we've got a guy that works for us called Dragonfly Dave, and his job is to do <laughs> invertebrate surveys. He's, his main job is to do surveys looking for butterflies and beetles and ants, and that's what he does for a living, and he spends most of the year catching bugs, sitting over his microscope, identifying them, see if we've got any rare ones, and then if they're rare, we do some cool stuff and make them a new home. And Please, 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 please tell me he does look for dragonflies. Yeah. You didn't mention any of them. Yeah. Was that because it's so obvious in the name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was sure. Yeah, yeah, I should have caught up with that one. That's fine. Yeah. Would you, t- if you had the choice, and you could have an exoskeleton as well as a interior skeleton, would you have one? Quite useful, wouldn't it? Like armor. Yeah. Yeah. No. Why? It would slow you down, mate. My I'm, my my life's built on speed. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that a bit much? <laughs> so quick and such a... It's hearty love. Hearty love. Hearty love. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the other one, you wanker. That's, that's what that laugh said to me. Deep in here. Now I've got heartburn. Okay. Well, whilst you recover from your heartburn, Joe, let's take a short break for some adverts. I tell you what, Tom, whilst I loved being out there for the Rugby World Cup, it's so nice to be home so I can finally catch up on all my favourite shows. Did you not get time to watch stuff out there, Joe? It's not that, mate. I was in France, wasn't I? So you can't watch certain things abroad. That's not actually entirely true, Joe. If you'd signed up with NordVPN before you went, that would have allowed you to change your virtual location so you could watch whatever you like, wherever you are in the world. Get this, it also protects all of your private data like bank details, passwords and online identity as well. Well, that's no good telling me now, is it, Tom? Although that does sound very useful for the future. Yeah, well, Joe, now is actually a brilliant time to sign up because this year NordVPN have teamed up with Movember, which is a cause close to both our hearts. During November, new and recurring NordVPN customers will have the chance to contribute one, five or ten pounds to the charity. And NordVPN will then match your donation. Amazing. That is amazing. Movember is an unbelievable charity which we fully support on this show because it's so important for men to talk about their mental health as well as their physical health. So sign me up. NordVPN have got your cyber health covered as well, Joe. So to sign up, just go to nordvpn.com forward slash Marla to get four extra months free and support Movember. This episode is sponsored by Knock Loose. It's Thomas Archer. To be more like Thomas, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marla Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content and grow the show today. 
Kev, we had started talking about animal poo, and I don't think we covered enough elements of animal poo. Yeah. What else can you tell us about animal poo? I've come prepared for poo chat. Cause Superb. I listened to the pod. Right. I've got that says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> really? I thought it might come yeah. up. Poo is a pretty solid theme for certainly professional ecologists who do it for a career. They come across poo all the time. Most colleges, if you push them, would probably admit to having a favourite poo mm. because as part of doing our surveys, you walk around, you're crawling around, looking for signs of things, footprints, fur, ho homes, holes. But if you find a pile of shit, then it gives you a pretty good indication as to what you've got hanging around. Each shit is different. And depending on where you find them, what they look like and what they smell like, then you can get a pretty good guess as to what you're looking for. So you're smelling the shits? On your hands and knees, face up to the shit, yeah. Well, so unless it's dead obvious. And you've chosen this career? Or it chose me, it's hard to tell, but yeah. I'm still doing it 20 years, so the shit hasn't put me off. What are the best shits? What are the most pleasant shits? My number one favourite shit is an otter shit. An otter shit? Uh, shape, please. It depends what it's eaten, but sort of... No, uh, not the otter, the, the, the shit. Yeah, yeah, well, the shit can be decided <laughs> in shapes. So if it's been eating loads of soft food rather than bony food, so it's been eating fish, they look a bit like a tiny human turd, that sort of general turd shape. Uh, and then you, uh, like Cylindrical. A little chew, like a mini wiener sausage. Okay. A, bit a wiener pass. sausage poo. Yeah, okay, and then yep. you can see what's in them. So if they've been eating fish, you can see fish bones or fish skulls or fish scales. Or... And that's important to know because... Because otters are protected, so we look after them to make sure their homes aren't being built yeah, on. Why do you need to know what they're eating? You don't, but... So why are you going through their shit so forensically? So on rivers, you might have otters and mink and their shits depending on how long it's been there, might look quite similar from a distance. So one of the ways to tell whether it's an otter shit, which is a protected species, and a mink shit, which is a invasive, non-native species that we want Otters. to get rid of. Otter shit smells nice. I'm not saying I would want perfume or aftershave made of otter shit, but it doesn't smell like, you know, you've walked into a toilet after some guy's just had a madras. Like, it's, it's not offensively bad. Whereas if it's a mink shit, it's horrid, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just awful. What like, a it, it turns your stomach, it's just not good. I've, I've got a, a shit, not a shit question, I've got a good shit question. What about owl shits? Because I've heard that an owl shit contains, they don't eat bones, do they? Or they eat bones, but they can't digest them, is that right? So, so they, if you look in the shit, you can pretty much see what he's had for his dinner. Yeah, it's like an owl pellets, they're sort of, you know, turd-shaped, but they dry out and then you can see bones and skulls from the things they've eaten. So you can take an owl pellet and then put it in water and then all the vegetation and food and strands that they ate disintegrates and leaves the bones. You can see if it's a shrew bone or a, a mouse bone and that helps you maybe tell what sort of owl it might have been. I would argue, though, that if I digested a... What was it? A shrew? Shrew, yeah. That its skull would also come out my ass. Because <laughs> I don't think it's a, I don't think that's actually... How big is a shrew skull? Oh, tiny, like... The, the end of your little finger, like... Oh, well, you get that. That's tiny, tiny. No problem, can you? Oh, easy. Yeah. Well, guess what I'm having for dinner tonight? <laughs> I can play a shrews. What is a shrew? A bit like a mouse, but small. Why, and if it's, a, if it's a bit like a mouse, why do you need to tame it? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought you'd make a Shakespeare joke. You have just made a Shakespeare joke. Yeah, and what? <laughs> Doth <laughs> protest too hard? Too much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How many shrews could you eat in one sitting? If they've got buffalo sauce with them, between eight and twelve. Nice. Could you really? Yeah, and they have to they have no hair the on them. Yeah. I'll have the tail thingy, and if the skulls are crushable, this is really mean, actually. I'm not going to eat shrews. Okay. They're cute little things, aren't they? I think so. Why does a wombat do a square poo? Don't know. 
<laughs> it does though. Leave it as that. Yeah. Do you know what you're because it's the aperture it's coming out of. It's, it's got a square arsehole. Like an ice cube tray. Yeah. Maybe yes. <laughs> what purpose is the, the square poop? Is it, how square is it? Like dead square. Really? Like, 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 like you've made dice out of like morph. Like you know. Well, square. I guess that's just part of its makeup. That the the, the strength. Of the muscles, the anus, and their anus is able to mould it into. Maybe it's a party trick. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's like the clowns. You know, when you say, "Oh, can you can you do me a a, a sword or a dog yeah. or out of the balloons?" I assume it's so that they don't roll away and they use it to mark their territories. Why don't more than like that makes so much sense that we're basically talking about a stackable poo, like an IKEA poo. Yeah. So poo is quite important in like setting territories and boundaries for animals, particularly mammals, because they roam around. Sticking on the poo theme with badgers, if you're building something or you want to build a road oh. and you've got badgers hanging around, you want to make sure you're not cutting badger sets off from where they go to eat so they're still going to be able to live and they're not going to get run over. Um, sometimes you have to do advanced badger surveys trying to work out where these badger clans live. So different groups called clans. Don't know why. They're not Scottish, but there we yeah. go. In order to work out which badgers live where... So you know if you put the road through the middle, that makes them happy, rather than splitting a family up, like mommy badger on one side and baby badger on the oh, other. No. Then we put out peanut butter and golden syrup with little coloured beads in it in piles near where they forage. So you might put a pile of blue beads over here and white beads over here. And then you go away and you come back maybe three weeks later and the badgers have come along, gone, fucking love peanuts, scoff all those up, the beads go through the body, they go to a latrine because they poo in the same place all the time for marking their territory. And then what, someone like me... they've got their own toilet? Well... Not like a, not like a you know, ceramic porcelain yeah. thingy. Yeah, not a lot of armitage things. No, no. But they've got a, an area that yeah. they do shit in all the time. So we call them latrines and they poo in that all the time. So we go back three weeks later. Fucking hell. you scoffed all the beads and you go, right, the blue beads are here, the white beads are there, so those badges are over here, those badges are over there, so you put the row through the middle. Whoa. That's fucking brilliant. Never did I think that so much attention should actually be paid to animal shit. But that is so important. It's an unexpected part of my career that I hadn't foreseen. What's the smell of a badger shit like? Uh, it Good, depends bad. what they've eaten. So the, they're like, really like earthworms, they get really slimy poos. And then in the autumn, they might eat loads of berries, so it's a bit crunchy with seeds in it and stuff. So Why is fox shit so bad? Oh, oh I don't know. Like, but, exactly. You say oh. fox shit to anyone... <laughs> And I'll pay you a tenner if they don't react the same way you've got, you've done. Is Ready? They... Watch this, Ryan. Fuck shit. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's up there with mink. They're they're like the two main offenders. What's your favourite poo, Joe? My favourite poo. Mm -hmm. I love a rhino dung. Nice. Like it's quite musky, aren't they? Yeah. Real good solidity to it. Did I use that word right? <laughs> yeah, it was fine. What's your favourite type of shit? I like a cow shit. What, like a pat. Nice big cow pat. Yeah. Why? The stuff grows out of it. What? You get plant, plants growing out of cow pats, don't you? Yeah. No. Mushroom, oh, you do. Mushrooms growing it. Insects like living in it. That's the reason you like cow pats. Well, it's like, compared to a dog shit, which is disgusting and stinks and can make people blind, apparently. I don't understand that bit. But a cow pat seems quite benign. All right, I'll give you another option. The goose one, where it's mainly brown, but as a little flourish, they just add a little bit of white. Yeah. How do they do that? Don't know. <laughs> I know a man who would, but yeah. No, you're right, like little sausages and you smudge mm. them, smudge on your grass if you're for a walk. They're horrible. Yeah. Not a fan of geese. This episode is sponsored by the following marvellous people Ian Ferreira Rochier, The Pharmacist, Dan Lloyd, Queen Victoria, Grace Lopez, Desmond Sito. 
Ratatouille, it's Andrew Hanratty. You can go your own way, Richard Kellaway. The Viking, David Darking. Fireman Sam Williams. Jordan Blaylock, Matthias Reggie Elkane and Rupert Ellingham. The Batman, Joshua Batterton. Freedom! Charlie Wallace. And a final farewell to one of our favourites, Mesh Alloway. To be more like all of them, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content, and grow the show today. Hi, my name's David. <laughs> Here we go. Can't do it. So we're trying to do an advert for our yeah. for Chatterbix. Hello, my name's Joe Wilkinson, and I do a podcast with David Allen, and it hasn't got a thing. Chatterbix is a podcast, magazine, and chat show, isn't it? <laughs> We're on three times a week. We have loads of guests, special guests, surprise guests. Natalie Cassidy is on regularly. Yeah, loads of people, loads of people. Andy Goldstein. Yeah. Okay, can I read some of the highlights? Yeah. Interviewing a Red Arrow pilot, chatting with Ricky Gervais, Harry Hill, James Acaster, and Catherine Ryan, amongst others. Visiting a haunted house, that was creepy. Being taught how to act by Martin Freeman. Backstage at the Blur concert at Wembley. And I met my hero, Andrew Rochford, and I'm not ashamed to say, I cried. That's Chatterbix on all, on all the regular uh, channels. Cheers. C-H-A-T-A-B-I-X, uh, Chatterbix. Well done, Joe. <laughs> Thank you, that's our promo. Goodbye. Yes! <laughs> On your application for the show, yeah, it says that you spend an awful lot of time listening to the soil. Yeah, so what, like ear down? Uh, no, not ear, oh. not ear down with like a microphone. So for a long time, colleges have used sound as a way of looking for stuff. So like we spoke about listening for bats with bat detectors, and in the last sort of five years, my company have been developing a way of using it to listen for birds. So you put a detector out and it listens, and the birds call, it records it. You chuck it in a computer and it goes, oh, you've got you know blue tits and blackbirds and whatever you might have. And then the last two or three years, we started listening to the soil. So it's a thing called bioacoustics. So stuff in the soil makes a surprisingly large amount of noise and a surprising diversity of noise under our feet and we're trying to find a way to measure how much there is. We're listen, listen, doing some work for DEFRA, trying to listen to earthworms to work out whether we can use a probe to count or work out how many earthworms are somewhere. And the sounds are uh, they're pretty cool. What noise does the what ground make? No, yeah. I've got, I've got some clips for you. Super. So, yes. Yes. Bit, bit of a quiz. Can we? you say the animal, or how do we want to do this? You're good at quizzes, Tom. Go well, I've got quick. three, so you can try and guess what the animals are, if you like. Yes. So... Question one. What's this? It's quite true. Bing! Yes. It's a worm. Correct. Hang on, I didn't get the chance to guess. That's because you got a buzz in first. Yeah, you didn't explain that. I thought it was... Okay, that was the first one. One nil me. It's a worm. Standard quiz rules, sorry. Do you, okay. do you know how I got to that? Because it sat, you could hear him dragging himself because he's not got no arms. Dragging himself. Can we have it again, please, Ken? he's not yeah, got any yeah. arms. Worms haven't got arms. But you can... Dragging himself. Slowly. And you can almost see him rising and falling. You know, like the... No, you've got it. It's wrong. You've got this wrong. What? That worm isn't on top. That worm's beneath. I know. No, no, it's not. Because the way you're doing it with your finger is that they are... 
curling and then extending. They're not. Worms in the ground, under, inside the ground, don't curl and then extend. They squat. They So so it goes through the hole. Yeah. So say it's going through the ground. My hand is the ground. Mm-hmm. It's going through. It's like something else. The way you're... Yeah, yeah, it's going through. Yeah. The rest of its body, the back end of its body, catches up. So it goes like squash. Concertina. Yeah, it concertinas. It squashes. Like an accordion. Then it extends. Then it concertinas back up. It doesn't bend, Tom. It goes, it squashes, extends. Squashes, extends. <laughs> squashes, extends. And the reason I know that is because I could hear it. <laughs> tell me, please tell me he's right, Kev. Bonus point to Joe. Bang on. That is your single greatest <laughs> moment. <laughs> In over three years of doing the pod, was your concertina worm chat. <laughs> Have we discovered some new skill that you can identify simply by listening the mode of movement of any of God's creatures? These ears might look like they don't work. Which they don't, actually. <laughs> but when it's really amplified next to it, I can, I can tell you whatever animal it is. Well, let's hear round number two. Right. I'm not going to buzz in, I just want this for, for Joe. No, I want the competition. Okay. okay. So, question two, what is this? Bing! Oh. Ants. Yes, Joe. Correct. Why is that it again? This is a stitch-up, isn't it? I shit you not. See what I've done there with yeah. the pun? Are you genuinely telling me that you haven't come in cahoots with Gav? No he's cahoots. Given you- how did you know that was an ant? Because I went from going, oh my God, that sounds like rain on the top of my tent. I don't know. Is it? Shall I say rain on top of my tent? Oh no, that's a stupid answer. Don't say that out loud. And then I went, what else is moving really quickly in like a, oh my God, that's ants. Bing. Quite not- ants. That was the whole process. Can we hear of that one again, please, Gary? Yeah, of course. I, just, I can't believe we've discovered. You're like a horse whisperer, but not just for horses. You can do any. Insect. I'm a vertebra. Whisperer. Invertebra. Yeah, invertebra. What do you mean, invertebra? invertebra. It's an invertebra. I'm an invertebra. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just don't identify, just say you're a human. I listen it. to shit. Okay, number three. Number three, it's almost pointless because I've won the quiz. So this one's tricky. confusing because there seems to be some sort of transformer robot in between. Is it eating? Really high pitch. It's just moving. Sort of. It's asleep. Ding. Is it a frog? It's not not a frog. Grasshopper. It's a cricket. Ding. Don't jump on my answer. It's a ding. It's a cricket. It's pretty close. So it's an insect larvae that is stridulating. What's that? Which is the fancy name for what crickets and grasshoppers do to make the noise when they rub their arm against their body. So that is a beetle larvae stridulating under the soil using a little thing near its face, like up here somewhere. But that was in a chap that works was in his back garden. He just stuck it in to test. They had two probes, one about half a metre apart, and one picked that up and the other didn't. So finding loads of really cool sounds. Can you get one of these machines at a reasonable price? Uh, not yet, but come back to me in January. <laughs> I think I'd love one of them. I'm I'd just get you one for Christmas. It in everywhere, like it's quite therapeutic, isn't it? Listening to. But also, you can. You have this this gift we've just discovered today. This almost sacred gift. You need the machine so you can hear it. But as soon as you can hear, do it, I need the machine? Maybe you don't. Just stick your finger in. <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> 
insects, Gav. Yeah. Right, I'll cut to the chase. The decline in the insect population scares the shit out of me because I read it as a harbinger of climate doom, right or wrong. It's hard to ignore the magnitude of change in the number of invertebrate species we've got. And if we don't do something about it fast, then yes, it could be catastrophic. It's not doomsday yet because we've done great things saving other species, bigger, easier species than insects. But yeah, with climate change, it means because we don't know a lot about them, if we're not careful, then we could lose loads of stuff. Like if we lost all the bees, then there'd be a massive crash in food supply because bees and wasps do loads of pollinating of plants and without those, we would really struggle to generate enough food. So they're really, really important. So I wouldn't quite say it's, you know, it's not doomsday, but it is really important. What can Joe and I do when we leave the studio later this afternoon? Joe goes back to Heathfield and I go back to Nutsford. What can we do to give our little invertebrate friends a boost? So one of the easiest things you can do is at home have a messy garden or a messy corner or a messy hedge or a messy area or... Invertebrates love little microcosms of a bit of bare ground, a sunny bit, a cold bit, a wet bit, a dry bit, hollow wood, piles of leaves. So messy is great for invertebrates because loads of different sorts of invertebrates live in little micro-ecosystems. You can really encourage invertebrates that way. Put a pond in. Dig. Even if you just buried a bucket, you will have things in it within two weeks. And wetlands are really important and aquatic invertebrates are just as important. But again, in some, some areas quite poorly understood so messy garden or no mo may it's quite popular we do it at home and you see loads more stuff in your garden less tidy no artificial grass that's a fucking fantastic excuse isn't it for me to use for not tidying up like the kids like toy area or that lot properly and all their water stuff because we actually found we found low we find loads of frogs all the time under stuff when we're moving it eventually but i lifted up the doll's house because I had an issue with moles in my garden, so I was trying to fucking pinpoint everything. And we found this, like, tiny little, like, lizard, brown-looking lizard thing that was, like... And the kids were with me, and they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And it was really cool that we... I don't know what it was, but it was fucking great that we were able to do stuff like that. What was that? So it could have been... Like a, a brown-looking lizard thing like? with a tail and shit. About that big? Yeah. It was about that, which is about the length of my index finger. Yeah. So it's probably a smooth newt, which is one of the common newts that we find in the UK. They're all over the UK. They're not as well protected as the great crested newts because they're black with brightly coloured belly, so that's one of the key differences. But probably a, either a smooth newt, because they're brown, there's a palmate newt, which is less brown, it's a bit browny green. Um, they're quite hard to tell apart. So we or found a newt. A lizard. That could was a newt. Or it could have been a lizard. Newt or a lizard, for sure. What happened to it? Ran off. Did it? Yeah, well, I couldn't keep couldn't keep hold of it. That's cruel. And I couldn't catch after it because it's too quick. And I couldn't... <laughs> it sounded like there should be the third part of that for yeah. the story, didn't it? Yeah. And I couldn't kill it because they're protected. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that that reason for not killing it came into you at that point has left you very pleased. I just think it completed the story better. It <laughs> <laughs> did. Something very topical at the moment is the HS2. Yeah. And the cancellation of it. Yeah. The Manchester leg of HS2 Gav was going to pass quite close to where I live and it was going to, technical term, mangle some quite nice woods. But I know that further south where the line had actually been built, there was a lot of efforts to mitigate, wasn't there? There's been lots yeah. of tunnelling and boring and stuff like that. But there was a lot of people who were very upset about the amount of ancient woodland that was getting destroyed, right? Why is ancient woodland so important? So ancient woodlands, one of those habitats is about five or six groups of habitats that we class as irreplaceable. It doesn't mean you couldn't ever... Re- some of them, I suppose, technically you could replace, but ancient woodlands, the soils have been there for thousands of years. The sea bank and the ground, the insects, 
the trees themselves and we're learning that the fungi in the soils that's a really exciting area of research at the moment we're finding amazing things about fungi in the ground and all of that lives in the ground in ancient woodland and you can't replicate it so once it's gone it's gone and whilst you can try and encourage or restore bits of old unmanaged ancient woodland it's considered so rare and difficult to replicate and takes so long that the class is irreplaceable habitats and that's when with big projects like hs2 you have to do sort of bespoke offsetting compensation because you can't really offset it you can't replace it you have to do something else that you agree with natural england and the government and all the other stakeholders that we're losing this really important resource ancient woodlands we're going to do something really massive and mega and cool and you know we've lost some really important habitats as part of hs2 and that was part of the trade-off that the government decided that was that the connectivity and the transport was more important in those particular sections. And they do spend a lot of time trying to decide where the route goes. There's no perfect route, but they have saved other things. And then there's a new concept coming out called biodiversity net gain. And some of that was done on HS2, I believe. And that's where you have to leave the environment in a better state than when you found it. Oh. So if you go to your site, you survey, you decide this woodland's worth 100 points, just to make it easy. Then at the end, you have to make sure that what you build is worth 110 points or more. So then you build other things. So it's a way of funding nature restoration, rewilding, big landscape things. So um, there's a phrase of bigger, better, and more connected. And that's a way of sort of trying to restore sort of ecological network. Angel Woodland's really important because it's really hard to replace. And they're really cool places. You find species that you don't find anywhere else, along with some of the others. So, yeah, that's why they're really important. It's a really important question that you asked, Tom. Mom. Thank you, Jay. So, Gav, if you had the chance to finish off the pod with some words of wisdom about why it's so important to be an ecologist, mm -hmm. like me and Tom are going to try and be, we're going to be... Friends of the invertebrates. Good. When we get, yeah. We need to work on the name of that. Okay. What would you say? I would say that if you're not the sort of people that get out into the countryside or go into the wild or spend any time, you spend most time in your cities or work and, you know, it's really hard to find spare time. Spending a little bit of time in nature is really good for the soul, really good for the body. It's really good to connect with nature. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. Walk around the park, take the, you know, walk down the canal instead of down the road and you'll start to see all sorts of stuff. So you'll see kingfishers and otters and badgers and dragonflies and all sorts of things that you maybe aren't interested in, but you've seen on the telly and you see David Attenborough talking about. Like, those things are all around us. If you stand still long enough somewhere a bit green, then you'll see it. So I would say be more messy at, your, at home. Just be a little more thoughtful about what you, you know, flatten or concrete or um, destroy, depending on what your job is. But also spending time in nature is really good for you and the more people understand the benefits of spending time in the outdoors. I grew up on a farm and that's sort of how I ended up doing this sort of thing. Then you'll find that you'll feel better. And it means that people like me, when we sit in front of people in planning committees or in public consultation events saying, well, we need to do this because this bee is really important. And you just get a bunch of blank faces going, why should we care about bees? But the more people engage in nature and they realize that without bees, there's no food. Without food, we're pretty screwed. So more time means you'll appreciate it more and that'll make the job of people like myself and the nature conservation body is better. And then hopefully, you know, biodiversity crisis, climate crisis, then that'll make it, you know, a bit easier and better all around. That's a very good answer there, Joe, wasn't it? I think you, you couldn't have finished it off in a, in a better way. Two things I took from it were, if there's no bees, there's no food, so thought, we're screwed. I thought you'd take that bit out of it. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. If there's no bees, there's no food, then we're screwed. Maybe we should get a bee person on. That's a shout. Stick that on the list, Ryan. On that list. And the second thing that I took of it, I know we've had some fun. I've, I have. I hope you have as well. I know mm. Tom has. 
but just letting you speak and hearing the passion you have for the countryside, for nature, for connecting with it. I was sitting there a little bit like, oh, do you know what I mean? I'm going to think twice about certain things that I do at home now or leaving that little bit of mess in the garden as like a bug hotel or something like that. Exactly, yeah. Um, It was, yeah, I I don't want to over-egg it, but it was really inspiring the way you spoke about your passion for, for nature, so... Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on. No, it's been a pleasure. I love the bluntness as well. It's been a pleasure. I mean, it's a, bit, a lot more poo than I thought we'd get through, so I'm quite pleased. <laughs> <laughs> it's been topic. Great. Thank you, mate. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. Oh, Thanks, Gav. Superb. Super Gav. Super, super Gav. Super, super Gav. Super, super Gav. He counts loads of shit. Yes, he does. For the good of the world. What a very nice man. I feel, Joe, this is a classic episode in that I've learnt loads of things I didn't know before, including the fact that you are the invertebrate whisperer. I still don't know what that means. but He speaks to the animals. Oh, I don't speak to him. You listen. Yeah, I just know how to work. So I'm the invertebrate listener. Mm. I don't think it's going to catch on, but I thought Gav was brilliant. I learned loads in that. I Well, for starters, I learned that an ecologist has got nothing to do with the inflation of my mortgage. <laughs> um, Which is the phrase that doesn't make sense anyway. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? That's for when we have an economist on. <laughs> Can we get an economist on? I should think so. Have you met any other fun people this week? No, I've had a couple of messages through, though. Mm -hmm. Avid listener, Ollie Soundy. Yes, the sound man. You remember? Yes. Good. Uh, Unfortunately, he's broken his leg. Oh, dear. Yeah, training on Thursday night. He's gone and fucking snapped it. It's a stupid sport. I told him to stop playing rugby. I didn't actually tell him that. I said that through the the waves of ground Mm. sound, which is how I communicate these days. Um, So a big shout out to Ollie Soundy, mate. I hope you get better soon. Drink milk, loads of it, blue top, and you've also got to cut out caffeine, I'm afraid. Mm. You, I've told you this, yeah. caffeine stops the absorption of calcium, mm. so you got to, you got to sat that off. I met someone interesting this week, Joe. I got a cab in Cardiff. We were doing the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club live shows. This cabbie, within 30 seconds of me getting in the cab, had told me that he was, he'd been in prison in China. Within a minute of me getting in the cab, he'd told me that he'd been in Tiananmen Square during the Tiananmen Square massacre. And within a minute 30 of me being in the cab, he told me that he'd been arrested by the secret police in China, tortured with his hands tied behind his back, and at the point he thought he was going to be executed, thrown out onto the street again. I mean, I wasn't there, but I would have probably called bullshit on it. Yeah. Was it? It was hard not to. We've had a... (laughs) Why didn't you just call him out? Go, mate, it sounds a lot like you're fucking lying. I wanted him to drop me at the cafe when I was having lunch. (laughs) (laughs) You get to the destination, you go, here's your money, thanks, mate. By the way, I think you're completely and utterly full of shit and then run. Bang, slam the door. Yeah. Joe, we've had a message from... Uh, if you can guess who we've had a message from. Arsh, Melsh Alloway. Melsh Alloway. Would you like the whole message read like Melsh? Oh, yes. Okay. I thought you were going to go and give me half the message. I'll try the whole message. Did you Tom, Steve Ryan and the rest of the JMS squad, having been a proud member of the JMS community for almost four years now, it is with a heavy heart to let you know I'll be downgrading my subscription or maybe even drop it... I'm going South African. Or maybe even drop it completely if my financials won't allow it because... Oh, it's a good reason. Me and Ella are going backpacking for an indefinite period all over the world... I really enjoy being part of such a wonderful community. So, for now, 
I will try to keep the cheaper subscription going. The bonus content is already worth it. I felt like I had to let you guys know since I've been around for so long. That's a true fact. If shit really hits the financial fan, I will obviously let you all know and most definitely still listen to the show on Spotify. Once back in the Netherlands, I will certainly resubscribe. Much love, Melsh. He's even spelt Melsh. M-E-L-S-C-H with an X, which is a kiss, I think. I don't think it's Melsh. Always lovely to hear from Mel's. Mel's, we wish you happy travels. The happiest of travels. After listening to that, mate, I, I couldn't give a flying fuck if you downgraded and stopped subscribing altogether because you've been such a wonderful member of our Patreon community. We've loved meeting you at the live shows. I just wish you and Ella all the best. Be safe, please. Be very, very safe. The safest. And you know what I mean by that, you know? It's menacing. Always carry some form of weapon to protect yourself in the fucking crazy-ass places you'll end up going and wrap it up. Unless you want okay. mini-melch, you know? I love the idea of mini-melch. I want a mini-melch. Can we all have a mini-melch? Oh, fuck it. Don't wrap it up. Go travelling, do loads of shagging, see the world, enjoy yourselves, and come back with a kid. Which then <laughs> means you still won't be able to afford the subscription, even though it's incredibly cheap. But all jokes aside, Melsh... We love you. Thank you for the message. It's always lovely to hear from you. Well, Joe, before we go, let's remind everyone about something super exciting, as Mel's would say, that is happening next year. So from January, you can come watch us recording live podcasts every month at the Clapham Grant because we've got this cheeky new idea called Things People Did, where we're going to be speaking, Joe, to comedians and celebrities about all the weird and fun jobs they used to do before they were famous. And do you want to tell people the best bit, Jojo? The best part, Tom. Tickets are only 15. That is one five. Have we made a mistake there? 15. That's not enough to cover our costs. Fucking hell. My train tickets cost 27. One five, 15. Fuck, 15. Not 50. No, 15. That's why I said one five. Three fives. 15, as in F-I-F-T-E-E-N. Pounds or quid. Why do we call it quid? It's a question for another time. You can find the link in the episode description. It's going to be a lot of fun, Joe. I sure. Like Melsh or Sean Connery. I think it's important we end this episode in honour of Melsh to say thank you to all of you for listening to today's episode and for all of you that have listened to previous episodes. In summary, anybody who should have any interaction with any form of episode, future past or present. Thank you. Thank you? As in stab him? No, you can't fucking stab him. Just say goodbye. 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 Good. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, bye. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.